Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders sponsored by Faith Lead at Luther Seminary. Pivot invites church leaders to use disruptive moments to reimagine how they think about church, ministry, and leadership. Welcome to Pivot. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Pivot, where our theme today is listening. Welcome, Alicia. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Terry. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited for our guest today. Why don't you introduce him? I would love to. Pastor John Anderson is the Director of Rural Ministry at Luther Seminary. And when John was the Bishop of the Southwestern Minnesota Synod, he was part of the Leadership for Faithful Innovations, really first cohort that we had for the leadership side of Faithful Innovation. So welcome, John. We're really excited to have you with us today. It's great to be here. Super. So our theme for today is why is listening a faithful innovation practice? And as a person who is in the first leadership for faithful innovation cohort, John, what did you learn about or from the practice of listening? Well, one of the most powerful things that happened to me as we went through this uh, multi-layered process of visiting with pastoral leaders and then lay leaders was just I. I kept hearing things that they were experiencing that I, after 17 years of being a bishop, had I didn't know they were struggling with. So for me, one of the uh, things that I learned was I just had a deeper sense of what the challenges for both our pastors and then our lay leaders, what they were. And for instance, uh, one of the things was just I was really surprised because I'm wired to be I'm wired to lean towards change. I think we should be moving forward, always reforming, being faithful while we're innovating. But that's not natural for a lot of human beings. That's not their temperament. So one of the things I I found myself thinking about is how can I be more careful about not assuming everybody's with me when I'm talking about innovation and change? And how do we actually encourage people to take small risks and test ideas and then trust that what we were working on would actually uh, bear fruit. And what were some of the practices or what were some of the ways that you in those, in that cohort did listening and and especially on a synod level? Yeah, well, we, our synod has been influenced by the dwelling in the word process inside of the listening practice that we're talking about. We've been doing that for a long time going back really to the beginning of my ministry as a bishop. So our people were used to that part and uh, the the discipline of just uh, stopping and listening uh, to a text and then listening to each other and listening for God to uh, join that conversation. And part of my practice through the years before we got to the Faithful Innovation Group was that when we were having tough meetings, we literally would stop every 30 minutes We would use a formal prayer that didn't sound like I was trying to pray somebody somewhere, but we'd gather around a text to try to help work our way through discernment issues or reconciliation issues. And and you noticed how that practice could actually change you, first of all. And then it was interesting how people started to hear the text and bring their story into the text and bring the text into their story. So that had we'd been working on that for a while, but the dwelling in the world uh, idea was one that I've heard named, 
But uh, that was interesting to go out and walk around through communities and pray and listen or to just start to, uh, for me, it was to literally start to wonder how God might show up in my day-to-day work. And I have some really interesting stories. Like one of them was I was driving on uh, the way to a church and I saw a guy out plowing under a cornfield. And I thought, how, what is he doing and why? And then I thought, well, why don't you just go uh, stop and see? So I went out to take a picture and then he stopped. And then I walked over to him and I had a conversation and, and it was sweet corn and they, it had some kind of fungus that they couldn't have. And so he had to destroy the crop. But here I am talking to a stranger crying to me because I happened to listen to an impulse to stop. And so I think that, uh, you know, that that was really important. One of my mentors, uh, Rick Foss, used to teach me, he taught me when I began about the value of just calling up pastors and saying to them, hey, what's something good happening in your life? And that uh, listening to people that way also helped me keep going in some hard stuff. But it also is a way of learning what God was up to out in our synod. So uh, some of that precedes my experience in the Faithful Innovation Group, but we were seeing all kinds of different ways of inviting people to listen to scripture, to the tradition, to the world, to themselves, to their community, uh, to their congregation. And one of the good things about listening is it helps you get off your white horse that makes you think you need to charge to solve all the problems in the universe because you realize God surrounded you with a lot of gifted people. So the story of the farmer just kind of took me back. I think about in my travels, right? I've been on a synod staff. I've traveled out to to congregations or speaking and whatever. And I often have those curiosity moments, those wondering what's going on, but I never stop. And so I could relate to the story. And then I'm like the fact that you stopped and then But I could also imagine how quickly that stop turned from, I'm just wondering what's happening to a kind of a sacred moment, right? When you discovered what was going on, you had enough curiosity to be empathetic and to know the significance for that farmer on what he was doing. And so it amazes me two things, and I want you to comment. One is how when I get over my impulse to keep going and stop, right, to just stop for a moment and take it, the spirit finds its way in and could change me, could change the person. I can think of many stories when I have done that. So my question is to you, I hear leaders saying, well, I don't have time, right? Because that's what I'm thinking. I don't have time to stop and talk to the farmer. I don't have time to do whatever. What would you say about time? Well, I I was actually going to talk about holy stewing next, because I think we're really stuck in a a culture and a time of we want to accelerate everything. We want to make snap decisions. People expect you're going to reply to emails or you're going to solve really serious dilemmas. You're going to do it right now. And part of Part of the listening practice, I think, to listen to God, to listen to yourself deeply, it takes time. And so uh, I like this language of holy stewing because I think everybody knows how, you know, you have a good stew, you put it in the fridge because you can't eat it all, 
And then you warm it up the next day and you think, wow, this is better. And then the next day, because you didn't get through it all, you warm it up again and it gets better. And I wonder, I mean, uh, Dr. Andy Root has been writing about this issue of acceleration and lifting it up. I wonder if we need to actually, in our imagination, in our faith practice, wonder about slowing down so that we can hear ourselves better, hear our family better, our communities better, congregations, and most importantly, God. And so there's some thoughts about that. Um, John, and maybe you kind of touched on that, this piece that I'm wondering already a little bit, but I, I'd love to hear you and your thoughts a little bit more about how listening is a faithful innovation practice and you know, how, uh, how does it play out, especially for leaders? And maybe you have a story as a, particularly as a former bishop or, or even from one of your pastors in your former synod. Yeah. When, uh, when I heard your question initially, the thing that ran through my head is that it was uh, all of a sudden I started pulling up in my memory, what popped is all the times Jesus stopped to listen, to pray, uh, how Jesus was a listener. So I think, you know, why is listening a faithful innovation practice? Well, we're all Christ followers. Uh, Jesus listened, and we are not Jesus, but we are wise to learn from Jesus' practice. So especially that that's what popped up first. But then I think the, when I think about the word faithful and then innovation, I boil those down to trust and new things. So sometimes Trusting means being open to the new. Can we be open to what God is up to? And can we trust that God could do new things and renew things or heal things and restore things and put things together that are old, but actually together really make a difference? Like, can you believe we once lived without wheels on our suitcases? Two old things that somebody got inspired to put together, and now we can't imagine living without a wheelie bag, right? So God does that all the time, I think. Uh, I was thinking about the part of what uh, a faithful innovation practice is. That I think that, that there, was a, there was a Jewish theologian named uh, Buber who talked about I and thou, and we're so, he wrote a book like this, and he talked about how easy it is to turn God into an it instead of a thou that we relate to and listen from. And that's the same about how we treat other people. So I think uh, part of what's a faithful innovation practice is just to honor and respect the people you're relating to and not think of them as objects. And and I think that that really puts the brakes on a lot of things that could be destructive about just innovation run wild, right? But faithful innovation, it holds that together. So one of the stories from my life is I, I'm an after pastor. In my opening call, I followed a situation of mis- misconduct, and I had been asked in my job description to do an active ministries ministry. And so I went out to visit with families if they'd be open to visit with me, and I would listen to their stories about their disappointment about uh, what had happened in their ch- uh, church. And, and sometimes they didn't understand the story very well. But I, I remember I had been trained in a school of thought about how to do this, and it said you should listen to the stories that surface in you as you're listening to someone else's story. And then instead of telling the story, you want to tell back, right? Like, oh, there's a great story. I need to tell you this story. Instead, you'd say, 
Wow, when I listen to your story, it makes me feel like this is what you're trying to tell to me. Tell me. And they'd come right back. Yes, that's right. Or no, that's not right. This is what I'm trying to say. But the art of listening, sometimes you need to reflect back to people who are sharing things with you so they can kind of sharpen that up. And we also had a massive uh, economic uh, thing with an oil bust. And I remember listening to amazingly successful and gifted people who had done everything right, but the economic system had broken in a way that left them hanging out in the open. And I think uh, that was really important. But, but one, of, one of the things I was thinking about on this one, faithful innovation and listening, why is listening a faithful innovation practice? So I had a 97-year-old woman in my former parish when I was a parish pastor, Myrtle Anderson. And if I got stuck on a sermon, I would go and visit Myrtle. I would go and sit down with Myrtle and we'd talk a little bit. And then I'd say, hey, Myrtle, I'm working on this sermon. What do you hear when you hear this text? And I, I almost always went home knowing what I needed to do in my sermon in that conversation with someone else about the text. And she was she's a beautiful, wise, elderly woman, and uh, but a truth speaker. And uh, so that's another memory that comes. And one of my stories is that in addition to my first church having had sadness, the third church that I served in had had serious sadness as well. The founding pastor who served there for uh, 16 years, I think it was, died without warning of a heart event uh, at 44. And then I came in about a year later, and this community that had, this was a very gifted person, Doug Larson in New Orleans, Minnesota, and they were still trying to make sense of what had happened to them. Dr. Pat Kiefert had made kind of an offhand comment uh, in a class, a continuing event I was in, and he's, that was about listening. And he said, you know, if you're starting a new church, you might want to just gather people in small groups, have the call committee invite a house full of people no fancy fixings, have them sit down, give them a little pep talk about who you are and as you're entering, and then ask them five questions. And these were the five questions. Tell me about your household. And the second one was, uh, what do you hope we will not lose together in the coming chapter of our ministry? And the third one is, what do you personally hope for in the life of our church in the coming uh, chapter of this congregation's life? And the fourth one, what do you think God longs for in the coming chapter of God's life? And then the next one is, who do you think I should try to look up in the next six months if I could at all possible do that? Well, I, I actually did that. And as I visited with small group after small group of people uh, in this congregation that was really hurt, I never could have listened to and talked to that many people. So the gathering of the group was priceless. But I heard about their fears, I heard about their longings, and uh, I also heard how God had been working on them. And for me, as I, when I think about, I would have never imagined to do such a thing if I hadn't had somebody plant that seed. So when I think about why is listening a faithful innovation practice well, because uh, it's been really fruitful in my ministry as a pastor, as a Bishop, and even now as I've entered into this new role at Luther. John, those are really powerful stories. And I, I love the way you talked about listening in different seasons, right? After 
just as a new pastor after trauma or a, a crisis, right? One of the things that I find when I talk with people about innovation in the church is they want to, they go right to ideating. Right. They want to start creating. They, they think they, they both think they have a clear understanding of the challenge and they of course know what people want. Right. And what you're describing really pushes up against that. And I think even as a new pastor or in the new call, right, we get all excited because you've done the homework on our end or entering, but the, what I heard you say, especially around those cottage kind of meetings with people to like park our, or to bracket our excitement and our ideas and to first listen. Human-centered design, which is some of what we teach here in our innovation class, and it's part of what the Faithful Innovation Companion work is centered on, really pushes up against humans as objects to humans as subjects, which you also Mm -hmm. noted, right? These are people and there's longing and losses and hopes and dreams. And man, if if, if we needed to have that in co- like now with COVID, it, that seems like everybody, it's in front of us. And so I just really appreciate those stories. And I even have to hold up against when I'm facing innovation to say, don't go to ideating first, but take the time to sit with people, hear their stories, ask those questions with real genuine curiosity. That's just, that's really, that's really beautiful. I love that. Well, Dr. Sarah Cordray is a pastor who got a demon at Luther, and she's one of the people I've run into in my work as a rural ministry director. And uh, Sarah actually uh, thinks it's important congregations intentionally build social capital inside of their lives and also with people in their community. Guess what uh, she does to build social capital? Listen. You, you, you take time to listen to people uh, because then, then if you're going to talk about doing something, you've actually honored people. You can test your ideas and what you're hearing, uh, but your odds of being successful innovating, you also need the fuel that you will receive in trust to move things forward. Well, John, as as you were sharing um, your stories, I couldn't help but think that, you know, if our theology is that we believe every person is created in the image of God, then what might be the evidence of that? Listening to people, right? Like taking the time to pause long enough so that we can hear from others. and. I just couldn't help but think about how valuable just the practice of listening is in and of itself, even if it doesn't lead to anything, but just how how priceless it can be, and especially today when we all have super busy schedules, whether it's work or family or you know whatever is is filling our time, and how intentional we have needed to become to pause and create opportunities to listen. Because as I think Terry, it was you that said, you know, sometimes when we talk with leaders and, and and encourage them to take time to listen, sometimes the first response is, gosh, I'm just so busy. Like when, when can I do this? How do I, how do I create time for this in my schedule to listen to the people around me? 
So with that, John, I'm curious, you know, what advice or wisdom you would have to share with others around the practice of listening and especially related to faithful innovation? Yeah. So one of the things I've done that I didn't really realize I was doing, but when I left my ministry, people teach you what they noticed. So one of the things that I've liked to say when I was a bishop is, could you teach me? Because I think there's something about the office of bishop or pastor that you feel like you need to be omnicompetent, you need to know everything, and you need to know the answers. And people will ask a good question, so what's your vision for the ministry? And and I think we always have ideas and things we would move forward. But I've, I've always tried to figure out, how can I invite people to teach me what I don't know? Or another question I love to ask is, so what do you know that I need to know right now when I'm a new in a new context, right? Because that, and I think this relates to faithful innovation, because if you're going to do new things and you don't know things, I think it's, you have to confess, I need your help. And then actually their help builds engagement. So we were one of the things that was really striking is we were trying to do something innovative and gather resources to fuel our ministry in a different way. And we worked so hard to put together a little plan and explain how it all worked. And after about three, four weeks, we started hearing from people we don't understand. And so then I went out in a series of meetings and visited with people and tried to, I tried to listen to them. And then I tried to listen to their confusion about what we were saying because it was clear pretty quick in those visits. We were not communicating to them what we thought we were. And so in terms of faithful innovation, kind of, I think that thing about communication is important. But, you know, some other thoughts that I had that I I would want to lift up uh, was, so in my ministry, uh, I've listened to thoughts that, Uh, are just kind of surprising. And you start to wonder, you know, is that the spirit of God? Or I suppose it could be a bad spirit. But, you know, it's it's six years ago, almost now that Philando Castile was shot. And I had that next day, I happened to be on like an eight hour drive day. And I, I just had this thought, maybe you should call all of your pastors who are people of color or who have family members who are. And I did that. And I, I was just stunned. It was a it was a life changing experience as a white big man to be talking to people who experienced that moment completely different than I did. So I think that listening for the spirit's voice and trying to figure that out, I think that that has borne fruit in my life as I think about innovation because you're being called to. In that case, we weren't being called to some new program or something like that. But just deeper awareness, understanding, I feel like God really, by the end of that day, I'll, I'll never forget the conversations and, and the teaching that I received uh, in that. But the, an, another thought I have is that I think that in our hurriedness that we've talked about when it comes to do faithful innovation, that it's also important to lif- listen to the gift of the tradition that we have. You know, like one of the things I have done and continue to do is uh, I like to sit and read the whole letter to Philippians before I go into a really high-tension meeting, just to listen to God and remember who I'm called to be and Paul's words to a community a long time ago. Well, just try it sometime. It takes 15 minutes. It changes 
the meeting for you, or I've listened to the whole Bible repeatedly to think about uh, divisive issues our churches have been thinking about, and then I've been struck by what I hear uh, in that experience. Or another thing that I've done is I've uh, I've gone through years in my preaching where I listen and ask, you know, I'm a Lutheran pastor, so well, what did Luther's small catechism what, what part of the catechism speaks to this? And then just look at it. And sometimes I'd use that, sometimes I wouldn't. But just, I think listening to the tradition is important. And then I think um, something I didn't think much about, but I think it's true, is that when you really honor someone and listen to them, you, you bless them. And you're, you're in a better position to affirm them as leaders. I think we can move communities further with affirmations and blessings and appreciation than we can with criticism, and we often forget that. So those are some thoughts about faithful innovation and just moving forward. John, that's really helpful. One of the things that I have learned, or maybe the two years of living through COVID has taught me of working faithful innovation, is we can innovate around the dressings, the the things that don't really matter, the color of the carpet, whatever. Or we can go after innovation to the things that, like when you called those leaders after Philando Castillo died, right? To the things that are just deep and core within us, the things we are in despair about or we long for. And when we do faithful innovation around those, number one, they're so much bigger than us. We need that partnership, right? Mm-hmm. We need community to do it. And secondly, it matters so much more. It's so much harder, but it feels like more significant work. And I'm transformed in that kind of listening, right? I have to listen with curiosity and being open to be transformed to see the world differently. Alisa, you have a practice for us today. Will you want to bring us to that point? I'd love to. Today, a practice that uh, we are going to do now um, in this episode, and then will also be available for download in the show notes, is called Listening to Longings and Losses. And it's really a spiritual practice of lament that invites participants to enter into this process of lamenting the longings and losses that really can accompany any type of change that occurs as we faithfully innovate. Sometimes fears of loss can prevent really congregations from pursuing faithful innovation altogether. And so lamenting can create space for grieving losses as well as building trust in God's direction for the future. And so often, you know, many clergy and congregations long for their ministries to look different than it might currently. And some want things to look like they used to. And others want to see changes in maybe how the congregation is led or who participates or what the congregation might be focusing on. And some often fear that they're going to lose something really important to them or 
have already lost something important as the congregation faces the future. So these fears are a reality for congregations who have questions about whether or not they'll exist for another generation. These fears are also a reality in congregations that are stable or even thriving and want to keep things going the way that they are into the future. So this spiritual practice of listening to longings and losses invites people to enter into this process of lamenting both the longings and the losses because it creates this space for grieving losses and building trust in God's direction for the future. And it's framed according to really this basic structure of a lament psalm. And so I'm going to share the four questions that are part of this practice. And then in the download for this practice of listening to longings and losses is kind of how someone could put this together into a a lament psalm. And so really the questions are, what's one wish you have for your congregation? What's something that used to happen or used to be true in the congregation that you wish would return? What's one thing you fear might be lost as your congregation moves into the future? And what's something that has changed that you feel is a loss in the life of the congregation. And so today I'm curious if we put ourselves in shoes as a worshiper in a congregation, how might each one of us answer that last question? What's something that has changed that is a loss in the life of the congregation? Well, uh, I'll take a run at that. So um, one of the things that I lament that I feel like we've lost is just the beautiful informal conversations and ministry that happens in the narthex before, afterwards, coffee time, and that kind of easy, relaxed, not having to think about being safe, that I just long for a return to that, and I lament that it's gone. I I think, though, then on top of that, I just think about all the people's lives that have been profoundly changed for the worse, whether it is... uh, you know, my friends from my childhood whose mother died prematurely of COVID or uh, the pastor I talked to from Williston yesterday who has three funerals this week and all those families, their lives are changed or, and some people will live with ongoing challenges. So, but backing up from that real heavy stuff, I, I just miss relaxed touch, giving hugs to people. I miss the traditions that could operate on autopilot, and they actually were good for the church and good for me. Uh, I suppose if I was to tip into heavier heavier things that I lament and uh, long for healing uh, uh, for many people, I know that the tension around how to live through COVID has really impacted a lot of pastors. It's impacted a lot of staff in churches. Uh, It's impacted key volunteers. I think of the council presidents I've talked to and the council members and all of the hard conversations they've had. And I lament the painfulness of that, but I hope that somehow God will redeem the pain because we will have greater capacity to work through change, which sets off a lot of feelings about fear and loss. And we're going to navigate those moments better in the future. And I pray that uh, I lament our loss of a sense of unity, and I pray God's Spirit will reunite us as we journey uh, deeper into this experience, and I pray out of it. Yeah, thanks, John. What came to my mind had some similar themes. 
I will admit to you and to all of our podcast listeners that I kind of appreciate now, after all of these months, the new weekend worshiping routine, that's in air quotes, where I have access to online worship and can do it without taking a shower in my house at whatever time I get up or and watch it. It doesn't have to be at 9.45 or whatever time your service was at. And that, that's an, that has been a, a fulfilling spiritual practice on one hand. On the other hand, and this is where the question comes in, Alicia, I have a sense I miss the gathering too, John, with the community of people not worried about social distancing and health concerns in a sense of conversations that I would have about like, how's your health? How's chemo going? How's your daughter? How's your son? In that ongoing kind of touch point of people's lives that I don't have anymore. And some have aged out, some have died, some have moved away, some have quit going to the church that I go to. And so coming back, whatever that coming back will be, will be nothing like what it was before. It will be starting over something different. And so I, I feel a loss at that and I mourn that and I wonder what that new thing, that new community feel is going to be, both for me, but also for the next generation, for my kids' generation, for little kids who have been in online Sunday school or something else right during this time. So that's that's really what comes to mind for me. Alicia, what about you? Yeah, thanks, Terry. Similar to, to both of you as well. So I, I was thinking about how last year our son, who at the time would have been three, they did all online preschool throughout the year at our church. And so he would get to see his friends online every Sunday. And of course he thought it was super cool to be able to have like be on Zoom himself and not be like Zoom bombing somebody else's conversation. And now this year it's in person and a number of the families and, and kids that were online actually haven't been showing up. And we just recently uh, kind of with this new Omicron wave have started up the online version again, in addition to in person and getting to him, getting to see those kids and those families again. And so as I was listening to you two talk, I was just thinking about, I think one of the the things that has really changed and that's really a loss is just the simplicity of having a set time and, you know, set rituals, whether they were really serving people well or not, that's a different conversation, but right. Like the, the conversations today are just so complex and they're, you know, they're, they are taking up so many people's times of how do we do this? How do we keep doing this? Things feel like they're getting better. Now things aren't, they aren't. And just this kind of like, back and forth and just the complexity that it's added because, you know, we too, we, we miss those conversations with people. And, and now when we see people, gosh, it's, it's been a year or longer. And so we really don't know what's happening in their life like we used to. And things just feel so complex. And I think I would have said pre you know, pandemic that life was complex, but little did we know that it really could get more complex. And so I just, that element of simplicity, I think is something that I, I really 
miss and has been a loss. Thanks, Alicia. And thanks, John. In case we didn't know the importance of listening, this has been a good, good reminder, not only for faithful innovation, but I think for authentic ministry and a COVID lingering pandemic, racial uh, tensions, economic disparity, uh, all kinds of losses that are in, in people's lives. It's such a reminder these days to me that I do not have a clue what most people are going through and to not make assumptions, but to ask questions. John, I think one of the things I'm leaving with today is Jesus stopped to listen. And if we're Jesus followers, why don't we do the same? And then trusting that trust of faithfulness, right? Trusting that as we listen and open ourselves, like you said, Alicia, to see God, the God bearer in front of us, that the Holy Spirit will come and and bring healing, bring unity, bring these things we hope for in maybe little ways or maybe plant seeds for it for the future. I know for me, I long for those things in our days ahead in, in ministry. And I wonder how we might work together to do that, be that kind of healing presence, that hopeful presence, that unity, even uh, when there's tensions with regard to that. So thanks for the conversation today. We hope this practice is helpful for you. Our next episode, we're excited to talk to um, Dr. Michael Binder on discerning the challenge. What are we going to innovate around? That's another big topic. And so we're excited to have you join us again next week. So thanks, John. Thanks, Alicia, for this episode. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Pivot Podcast. For more leadership resources, go to faithpluslead.luthersem.edu.